This week in Baby Quest, we throw in the towel. get that soon okay hi welcome to baby Quest. my name is mike and i'm leah this week guess what we're talking about hockey i mean yeah a little bit how does this relate to anything we're talking about roger nielsen house oh that makes more sense thank you <laughs> so we wanted to spend an episode talking about roger nielsen house because it is where we received uh, almost all of our support after yeah. uh, after Eliza was born. Yeah. And we've probably mentioned it on the podcast. And you're probably like, what is Roger Nielsen have? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't even know. Who's Roger Nielsen? What's that all about? <laughs> so we're going to do a little explainer. And by the end, maybe you'll know more. Maybe you'll be more confused because we did a bad job. But... Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll know why we think that this is an important place. Yeah. So, Leah, do you know who Roger Nielsen is? He was a guy. Yeah. He was involved with hockey. Okay. Coaching? Yes. With the Senators? Yeah. That's all I got. All right. His name was Roger. So, Roger Nielsen <laughs> was... <laughs> so... <laughs> Roger <good>. Nielsen... <laughs> Roger Nielsen is actually a really cool and important figure in hockey. Okay. So Roger Nielsen House is in Ottawa because he uh, he ended his career as an assistant coach in Ottawa okay. to the Ottawa Senators. Okay. And this was in the early two thousands, I believe. Okay. I could probably easily look this up, and but anyway, it doesn't matter. So he was an assistant coach in Ottawa, but he was actually really important in basically like breaking a lot of rules early on in his career. Like, uh, so did he also play hockey? No, I don't believe he played professionally. Oh, he was just a coach. We could probably let me see this non-coaching career. No, he coached hockey. Okay. In the in the NHL, if you're listening from somewhere that does not have a lot of hockey. And I guess when we say hockey, we're talking about ice, we're ice talking about hockey, ice hockey for all of our many international listeners. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot, but like Germany. there might be that like when you say hockey, not field hockey. Yeah. In Ottawa, where we live, hockey is just ice hockey. Right. And we have an NHL team, which is, I didn't think we'd be getting this far back <laughs> into the explanation, but here we go. The NHL is the, the highest professional league of hockey there is. Right. In North America. Yes. And Roger Nielsen was a coach okay. for a very long time across multiple different leagues, spent a lot of time coaching in the NHL. Okay. Is uh, he from Ottawa? No. Oh. He is from Toronto. Okay. And he... So he's he was known for doing a lot of things like kind of taking advantage of loopholes in the rule hockey rule books. Okay. They had to change a lot of rules because of him. <laughs> like, not in the NHL, but in the, like, I think OHL or something. He would do stuff like, when he would pull the goalie, he'd be like, hey, goalie, just leave your stick blocking the net when we pull you. 
And the other team would shoot it down the ice and it would bounce off the stick. <laughs> and then the OHL was like, well, we're just going to count that as a goal from now on. So they had to change that rule. And uh, he would do stuff. Another thing he did once, or I don't know, maybe more than once, was near the very end of the game, like with less than two minutes to go, his team was down, uh, like had two penalties already. So they were down uh, five on three. Okay. And he was like, well, we can't be, we can't have fewer than three players on the ice at a time. So whenever it got into kind of a bad situation, he would just send a bunch of other players onto the ice, <laughs> and then the rest would call a penalty. <laughs> for too many men. For too many men to stop the play, and so he could get a face-off and then regroup. <laughs> Still at five on three. <laughs> so he would do cool stuff like that. Did he they was... have to change? Like, was there a rule change because of that? <laughs> I don't think there was a rule change for that. I don't know. All right. But most importantly, rather than like just breaking rules and being cool in general, he was most well known for basically inventing video analysis and coaching. Oh, cool. They okay. called him Captain Video. He was like the first one to basically bring in a VCR and recorded games <laughs> and break down what all the other teams were doing, what his team was doing. He'd all have right. all these meetings where he would show players like, look, this is what this guy always does. Or, you know, like, look, this is what you're always doing and it sucks or whatever. So would he just, like, have, a, like, a, his own personal camcorder and be, like, videoing? I mean, games were on TV and broadcast oh, in the I 80s. I guess so, and stuff. yeah. <laughs> but he was very influential in, like, no one was using video in coaching. And he was like, this is crazy. We've got, v the VCR exists now. I can do this. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, they called him Captain Video. That's pretty funny. So he was Captain Video. He would just stay up all night, like, breaking down footage of games and stuff and uh, making notes and putting together little his own little edited videos to show the players and, yeah, help his team. He was also one of the first, or the first, or another pioneer in having coaches talk to each other using headsets during games. Like the assistant coaches would be talking, would be able to talk to each other on headsets on the bench and talk to other folks up in the press box and stuff. Okay, okay. So folks weren't doing that, at least not in hockey, until him. That's cool. From what I understand. Uh, he's also very well known for, in 1982, he was coaching the Vancouver Canucks in a playoff game. And I don't, I don't remember or know what the situation was, but... The refs made some calls that he felt were very unfair. Okay. He did not like very much. And so he grabbed one of the player's sticks and put, like, a white towel on it. And he was, like, waving it around, like, <laughs> throwing in the towel, like, waving the white flag. <laughs> yeah. And a couple other players on the bench, like, joined in and they were also <laughs> waving the white flag. And uh, to, you know, to surrender to the refs because the refs were... Right. Being so bad or whatever. Um, they were all ejected from the game. But oh, really? It was a very famous thing because soon after that, all the Vancouver fans at the game showed up to the next playoff game with their own white towels. Is this how towels at playoff games started? And that's why people wave white towels at playoff no! games. No! Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that's bananas. <laughs> I know, right? It's That's good. so good. A lot of other teams' fans 
totally ripped it off because it looks cool and it's fun to wave a towel around. Yeah. But that's where it's from. Oh my gosh. It's hilarious. So, yeah. Later in his career, he was an assistant coach in Ottawa for a few years. Uh, Sadly, he had uh, bone cancer, which developed into skin cancer, and he passed away. While he was still coaching? Or had he, like, retired? No, he retired, I believe. Okay. Wait, now I'm looking. Okay. No, actually, he was coaching in 2003 with the Ottawa Senators, and he passed away in June 2003. Jeez. He was 69 years old. Was that... Was 2003 when we, like, did really well? Oh. Uh, I was... I mean, they were a good team back then, yeah. for sure. Like, well, I was still in high school, and I remember it, like, it was one of those years... 2003, 2004, 2005. It was like in there. I'm looking up the Ottawa Senators record from 2003 now. I typed in the Ottawa Sens stores. Uh, there was a lot of bankruptcy talk in 2003. But yeah, 2002, 2003, the Ottawa Senators finished first in the league to win the President's Trophy. And they made it to the conference finals in the playoffs. So pretty good. They didn't go to the playoffs, but that's okay. No, sorry, they didn't go to the finals, I mean. Okay. They did very well in the playoffs. Anyway, so yeah, that was a good team. Okay. And so yeah, he finished up his career in Ottawa. He was was always a good dude in the community and everything. Yeah. Uh, He was very well known for having very flashy, colorful ties. Okay. And so that's why you see in the logo of Roger Nielsen House, the R in the name is like, there are ties flying around it. Really? Leah is now looking at the logo I'm like, on the where's the Oh my gosh, it is. That's cool. I'd never noticed that. There you go. Alright. So, two thousand three passes away. It's mm-hmm. very sad. Uh two thousand six Yes. Roger Nielsen House opens. Okay. And so Maybe we should describe like what is Roger Nielsen House? Yeah, and like where, where it's it located is? and Yeah. So Roger Nielsen House is on this, well, so it's a building, it's its own freestanding building, not physically connected to, but on the site of CHEO, which is the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, which is a really seriously world-class children's hospital. Yes. We're very lucky to have CHEO in our city. Absolutely. There's also Sick Kids in Toronto, which is yeah. supposed to be really good. It's like very good. I think they're they're probably bigger. Yes. Probably. Yeah. But But I mean like Chio was where I had I didn't have my surgery at Chio, actually my heart surgery, because at that time Chio didn't have a cardiac surgical unit. So I had my heart surgery at the Heart Institute, but I did my recovery at Chio. Chio was where all my monitoring as a child for my heart condition happened. So yeah, they're like, I have, there's other kids in the family who have had surgeries at Chio. Oh yeah, no, Chio's the real deal. Chio is a top, top tier S rank uh, (laughs) children's hospital. And folks from all over the area, from far and wide, come here. Unless Toronto is closer, that's probably, (laughs) that's probably the cutoff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great that it's here and they're amazing. So, Rogers, Rogers Nielsen's house. <laughs> you want to say that again? It used to just be called, when it opened, it was just called Rogers House. Oh. But then they changed it to Roger Nielsen House. You know why? No. Because uh, Ronald McDonald House yeah, was confusing? I bet. Ronald's House? 
Ronald's McDonald's. I mean, that was my thought too when you asked me, but I don't know how confusing that is. I don't know. That was my thought, but maybe it wasn't that confusing. Ronald McDonald House is something else that also exists inside of Chio. On the Chio campus. Anyway, we're not going to talk about Ronald McDonald House right now. Um, okay. It's nice, though. Anyway, we got a tour of Ronald McDonald House before Eliza was born. Anyway. No, we didn't. We didn't go into Ronald McDonald House. Yeah, we did. We saw where the, like, where you can sleep and there's, like, a bedroom. That was, like, just, like, the, like, wing in Chio. There's, like, a whole separate freestanding building of Ronald McDonald House. Oh. Yeah. Well, whatever. Anyway, (laughs) what Rogers House, later to be known as Roger Nielsen House, actually is... It is primarily a palliative care facility for CHEO patients. Yeah, so kids like birth to 18, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like that's obviously not why we were there there. or we were involved with it, but that's primarily like that's their main function is palliative care. Yeah. So, like, just, I don't even know how they do that kind of work. That's It's incredible that and they, like, people can do that. Palliative care, but then it also provides, I think, respite for parents. So, like, yeah. their children might not be full-time at Roger Nielsen House, but they, like, spend some time there so that the parents can have a break. Right. But they also offer services for folks like us, uh, bereaved parents and families. Yeah, and this is, like, still... Like, a fairly new... The, yeah, the program that we were part of. Program, yeah. Yeah. Which was all paid for by uh, Ontario... OHIP. Healthcare. Wait, did we ever figure out what OHIP stands for? Ontario Health Health Insurance Program. Program. So, it's all covered. Great. Good job, Canada. Thank you. Yes. Um, But yeah, while we were in the hospital with Eliza, we... They like given the information brought us about, a packet of stuff. Yeah, about all the services that they offer. So uh, they offered to us one-on-one bereavement, bereavement counseling. counseling with a social worker. Yeah, and then couples counseling. With a social worker. And then group counseling, counseling <laughs> group with bereavement. like other lost parents. Yeah, but they also have uh, programs for siblings yeah and grandparents other family members other family members yeah um and then they also provide a pregnancy after loss support group yeah so initially when i was given the information and i was reading through it i was like no this is not a thing i want to do um specifically the group therapy i was like no uh my social anxiety will not allow me to do this Right. Uh, but when I found out that in order to go to the pregnancy after loss support group, I was going to need to complete the bereavement support group, I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and Mike really wanted to do it. It was Mike that like contacted Roger Nielsen House, set everything up. Yeah. Um, and I think if he hadn't wanted to do the group sessions, I probably wouldn't have done them. Right. <laughs> but in retrospect they were really great and we met of course you would have done them and now you feel like a stupid idiot yeah they were really great we met wonderful people who are now our friends through them 
Well, so, yeah, when we first started going to Roger Nielsen House, we met with our social worker, mm-hmm. who was amazing. Yeah. And we had a few sessions with her every, I don't know, a couple weeks or yeah. something. And I don't remember if we were going for individual sessions yet no. at that point. So even once the the group stuff started in beginning of October? It was mid-October. Mid-October. It was after my birthday. It was after the butterfly run. Oh, yeah. Okay. Late-ish October. It was October 23rd, in case you're wondering the exact date. Oh, okay. <laughs> October 23rd. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd, be, we'd been talking to our counselor for since like, a couple months. Like a month. Like since like September. September or something? Yeah. And uh, even while we were in the group stuff, we continued to, you know, go see our counselor Yeah. a few times. And she was always very open. Like, whenever we <laughs> needed a sesh, we just gave her a call or whatever. They were very good about that. There was no limit on how many times we could go no. talk to her or anything. Uh, so that was very helpful. There, were always, there was someone hanging out there. Yeah. So that was great. The the group sessions were really good. It was normally an eight week, like an eight session thing, but we got a bonus one because yeah. oh, because we had like a special guest added Speaker, on at the end, yeah. so that was good. But the well, sessions... we were like, it was kind of we all were having a lot of anxiety leading up to Christmas. Yeah, and our sessions. Yeah, our sessions were going basically like up until the week before Christmas. Yeah, from October to Christmas. And those were our eight weeks. That was our block. Yeah. And our group, we're not gonna, we're not getting into other people's stories, but our group had some especially traumatic experiences. Yeah. yeah. We had like several families with very difficult experiences. Like going into it, Leah had a bunch of concerns about, oh, you know, these people, their baby lived for months and I'm going to resent them for that. And there was honestly, there was no one like that no. in our group. But what we did end up feeling was like, oh my God, I'm glad that wasn't yeah. our story. Like our story is very chill and like, uh, there was what's at another no word point, that's not good? There was at no point during our process that we were ever in fear of my life. Right. And we were never asked to make a life and death decision. Decision, yes. Which, which like multiple, multiple other, other families yeah. in our group experienced both of those. So there so, was a lot of trauma going on. Yeah, in our there was group. a lot of trauma. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was a tough group, and we got a bonus session out of it. But all that to say, everyone's everyone was like in a very similar place to us. There were not people who had lost kids no. years ago or. We had all had like very, very different situations. Everyone had lost a it child was like, in utero or at birth or a couple days after. Yeah. And it was all within like a two month like, period, basically. It was literally like six weeks. Right. Yeah. We, there are six of us, six families who are still close after the sessions, and our babies are were all born within six weeks of each other. So going into these sessions, so like, we were all in a very similar Yeah, we were all hitting space. the exact same like milestones, basically, at the same time. You know, there was several of us who were coming up to our due dates at the same time. Right. Like, it was like all of those things were happening. So it was a 
you knew when you were talking about something that you would look around and everybody else would like kind of be nodding along with you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, we, we're all feeling the same thing. What was it that someone said early on and everyone agreed? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it was like when parents are complaining oh, yeah. that, you know, their newborn baby is keeping them up at night and they're not sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, isn't it the worst? Like someone in our group early on was like, man, this, I can't stand other people complaining about their babies keeping them awake or being annoying or whatever. And then it was like 16 other people in the room were like, I know <laughs> the worst. How dare they? Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was really good just being in a place where we feel like, you know, we're in this really unique situation, but we're in this unique situation with all these other people that we can relate to. Yeah. And yeah, obviously, I don't know, not hard to imagine we ended up being becoming friends with a bunch of them. Yeah. So, but what did the groups really look like? We we were asked to bring in a photo. Yes. Like a framed photo that... Which they kept... They kept there. And there, they, and they, like, put up on the mantle before every session. Brought them out. There were snacks every time, and yeah. that was nice. Uh, yeah, we did, like, you know, we had a, we were a very large group, so they did tell us that normally the groups weren't as large as we were, but um, it was, there was eight families in our session, so we were very... Yeah, it took a long time to just get through everyone's group. stories. Yeah, it basically. was like two, it was like almost two sessions. Two sessions of like everybody introducing themselves and telling their story. Yeah, and just like everyone in the whole room crying just for two sobbing. sessions straight. <laughs> but that was okay, and it was like it was good to hear everyone's stories, and you know. Yeah, uh, and then we talked about. Uh, we had all kinds of different, like, like set ses- themes yeah, for themes. the sessions. It was like, one was about anxiety, one was about, one, you had to write a letter to your child. And bring it in and, and read, read it. it out loud. Oh, man, did I hate that one. Oof. Well, he was not looking forward to that Mm-mm. one, but she wrote a beautiful letter. Yeah. Every single, so, and a funny thing that happened in that one was every single person was like, oh my God, your letters are all beautiful. I'm, uh, anyway, I'm so Mine sorry sucks. I wrote this piece of garbage, like, <laughs> uh, like on a post-it note or whatever, <laughs> driving on the way here. And then they would read this like beautiful letter that and everyone would be weeping. And then the next person would go, oh man, that was so beautiful. Sorry I wrote this crappy letter to my baby i feel like a terrible person and then they would read their amazing letter anyway our group needs needed to have more confidence in themselves in their writing abilities but that one was really really tough but also it was really nice because how often are we forced to write to eliza yeah exactly and it was a really nice thing to do like it felt good to do yeah it was hard to do, but oh yes, not something we would have done no. necessarily just on our own. You might have. I would have never. Right. Um, we had one where like the m- men and women split up. Oh yeah. Uh, and we kind of talked about like the differences in our experiences and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had one where we brought in, like... It's good just to have a bunch of bros broing out. Oh, boy. Finally. We had one where, uh, we brought in, like, all the, like, mementos and things we had. Oh, that's right. 
for our baby. Um, yeah, it was like a show and tell. Yeah. For her stuff. They were just all really nice. The yeah. the last, we, we had a guest speaker who had been through it years before and like come out on the other side and had yes. another child and all that stuff. And like, so, you know, she was like, as an example, that kind of like five, six years, like down the road from where we were. That was really nice to see. And she was obviously extremely open and uh yeah like answering all of her dumb questions and stuff yeah like do you ever you know forget your baby or whatever or like what do you do when you sign cards oh yeah yeah that was actually really good she was also answering like our practical questions like is it okay to sign your baby's name on christmas cards and stuff and she was like yeah absolutely and she's like you know sometimes when somebody you know doesn't include the baby that has died, they might not get a Christmas card the next year. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. And Yeah, do whatever you want. And then she's like, you know, or you'll get the people who, like, feel a little weird about it. And so they'll just write, like, to the and, like, the last name family mm-hmm. <laughs> so that they don't have to, like, acknowledge it and it's fine. The whole thing that, like, one big thing that came out of that the group session stuff was just a lot of validation for yeah how you're feeling, what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, we mentioned this before on the podcast, but like the whole Christmas thing, where like it oh, was yeah. a revelation to me, where it's like Christmas where I was told like have to be Christmas happy. doesn't have to be the happiest thing this year because you lost a baby, and I was like, what? <laughs> I literally and remember that, like, Mike that like my life. looking at me when our social worker told us that. She was like, why does Christmas have to be happy this year? And the look on Mike's face was like complete like shock and disbelief. There were like math equations floating around (laughs) outside of my head. Yes. Um, But yeah, so the sessions were obviously extremely helpful. We had a big party at uh, Lone Star. At Lone Star after our last session, which was great. And the server was like... Oh, what are you all here for? And we're like, oh, all of our babies died. And <laughs> I don't so think we we're, even. I don't think we're we, a fun group. I don't think we said we that. <laughs> Maybe not in those words. She was just like, oh, are you celebrating? And we're like, yep, celebrating Christmas <laughs> or something. I think is what we said. Anyway, we're a fun group when we get together. Uh, Roger Nielsen House also did a holiday celebration. Yeah, so they do other us. other activities for the families and yeah. Everyone's invited, and we went to the the holiday, the non-denominational holiday <laughs> celebration. celebration with Christmas music and Christmas trees and Christmas decorations. And Christmas cookies, and yeah. So we got to decorate that was great. an ornament mm-hmm. and put it on the tree that is in the main lobby of Roger Nielsen House, mm-hmm. and they call up every family who is there individually and so they say like they call out your child's name so that was the first time we heard eliza's name like her full name said out loud yeah which was like a very it was like shocking yeah like surprising surreal moment yeah and they have activities for like other children like if you have other children there's like fun crafts for them to do and oh yeah but anyway so they put on it was good I don't know. I, I mean, it's we hard to sobbed s- through the entire event. Sure. <laughs> but it's... Uh, Which I was not expecting, but, you know. But yeah, they, they do that kind of stuff. It's really nice. And we're going to talk about it in its own episode, but the butterfly run 
yeah. is an event organized to raise money for Roger Nielsen House. Yes. And so last year, we actually ended up doing the Butterfly Run before we'd ever been to Roger Nielsen House, but we were so amped to go, we knew, <laughs> we just knew it was going to be well, great. Well, so the, that started because, again, our friend Megan, uh, she had, she already knew about the Butterfly Run. And so when... We can talk about it in the Butterfly Run episode. Yeah, but she so started our it, team. it was like her who had spearheaded this like thing. So, which was why before we were even at Roger Nielsen House, we were doing the Butterfly Run. Yeah. But yeah, so Butterfly Run is just um, a series of runs in different locations to raise money for local mm-hmm. uh, infertility and perinatal Mis- loss yeah. and miscarriage groups and what have you. In yeah. Ottawa, it raises money for Roger Nielsen House. There's one in Vancouver that raises money for, like, the local women's hospital there. So this is, yeah, so... I think there's one That's part of our Roger Nielsen House story. Like, the Butterfly Run, to me, is like a Roger Nielsen House event, even though it's... Not. Like, they don't put it on or anything. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's... Oh! uh, Also, so the support groups were run by our social worker and also um, a nurse who works... At Roger Nielsen House. Right. And one of the very amazing things that was able to be coordinated because of that was when we went to our autopsy report appointment, the nurse who also did the bereavement groups came with us as support. Yeah, which was amazing. Which was like completely amazing just to have somebody else there. Somebody with a fully functional brain right. to be in the room with us while we were asking questions to make sure we didn't like forget, forget something. Get some critical piece of information or forget to ask something. Yeah. Or get some clarity on some answer that we weren't quite sure on. And also just And just to also sit there next to us. Yeah. And give us a hug before Afterwards. and after. <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Um that was like amazing especially because and i think i've talked about this before going into that appointment i wasn't the biggest fan of my ob at that point she did redeem herself in that appointment a little bit um but like i never wanted to see her face again up before that so right things have changed if you're listening (laughs) we're good with you now doctor name withheld um, but I was very nervous going into that appointment. I had a lot of anxiety. Yeah, it was a weird one. But anyway, it was really nice to have the our nurse there with us. Yeah. And very helpful. And Roger Nielsen has didn't have to coordinate that. She didn't have to come with us. She's a busy person, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So it was extremely nice that they were able to yeah. help us out with that. Yeah. And that's just some of the nice stuff that they, <laughs> they that do they, for they people. Do. Yeah. So yeah, it's an important place, and we're extremely lucky to have it in town. Yes. Again, like, similar to Chio itself, we had folks coming from, you know, a couple hours away to our groups. Because this was, like, the closest support group for people who had lost babies during pregnancy or very shortly after birth. Yeah. Uh, Which is crazy that, like, some people had to drive, like, two hours to come and get support yep and i mean like our support worker or sorry our social worker said um she believes that like it's a very you need somebody who has specialized in like this type of grief not just a general grief counselor because this type of grief is so specific and unlike 
other grief. Yeah. Like, unlike when you lose a parent or a grandparent or a spouse. I think that's fair. Yeah. Which, in, like, I didn't think of until she said it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, next week we're going to ask you to donate to Roger Nielsen House, probably. Next week we're going to talk about but the for butterfly now, run. Just start putting your money aside. <laughs> start hoarding, saving up your cash. <laughs> we're going to start, we'll talk about the butterfly run next week. Probably next week. Yeah. One of the next episodes, definitely. Well, because we're like getting close to one month away from the run. Yeah, that's true. Beginning of October, 3rd and 4th this year. Mercury calendars. It's virtual. You can do it anywhere. Open your wallets and send us that money. (laughs) All right. We did it. Yeah. Roger Nielsen has good place. In conclusion, it good. The end. All right. All right. So we will talk to you soon. On social media. Yeah. You can check us out on social media. Twitter. Instagram. Yeah. Twitter. BabyQuestCast. Instagram. BabyQuestPod. Email. Big announcement. I just remembered we have an email. <laughs> and it's babyquestpod uh-huh. at yeah. gmail.com. All right. Gmail. Google's like, you know, not an ethical company, but I wanted a YouTube page. So got to do what you got to do. <laughs> got to sell it sometimes. Sacrifices were made, folks. So, yeah. Come say hi. Send us your personal emails. And we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Okay, I love you. Bye. Mwah.